Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever show on today's episode. I am joined by my buddy, Corey Peterson. Corey, how you doing, man? Man, I'm excited, buddy. Excited. It's good to have you here. You're looking very festive behind you. It's that time of year, right? It is Christmas, brother, and uh, you know it's all about um, you know the joys in the air. That's right. That's right. I'd say it was quick this year too, wasn't it? It was like Thanksgiving all of a sudden. I feel like Christmas is two weeks away. It's like, what happened? All of a sudden my kids are giving me Christmas lists and it's, I don't have time for this. The years go by, dude. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. That's so true, man. The older you get, it does go by quicker. Well, so tell everybody, uh, tell everybody what market you're in. We are actually in, this is funny, but we're in the Midwest and the South. We really buy uh, apartments all over the uh, United States and it really it goes from Ohio to Louisiana to Atlanta um, to, you know, Georgia. So, yep. like, it's really kind of in, in between. You, and where do you operate out of? Where's your home I, office? I, I live in Phoenix, Arizona is where I oh, You're in Phoenix. Didn't you? I thought you were in Denver for some reason. Why did I think that? Have you always been in Phoenix? Man, I, well, last 12 years, brother. Uh, so, this is the time of year that I usually go outside in my shorts and then I sent a picture of all my buddies on the East Coast. Totally. Yeah. 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 Now, granted, I was in Phoenix in August, so I'm not going to get too jealous. I remember how hot it was. That was There's crazy. Hell on earth comes in the summer. Yeah. But I guess the other eight months out of the year probably makes it worthwhile to live in Phoenix. I mean, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good trade-off. It's a good trade-off. Yeah. That's awesome. So you specialize in multifamily investing. Is that right? That's it, brother. And how long have you been doing this? Man, you know, I started in 2005, but I was fixing and flipping. I went full-time into apartments in 2011, so roughly eight years ago. So you started single family in five. That's when I started, too. And then at some point, you wised up, and you said, I'm going to do bigger and better. Man, I made a transition, and uh, best fork in the road ever. Wow. So what did that look like for you? How do you go from single family to like, you know, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. Matt, what was your first multifamily like? Well, my first multifamily was as scary as all hell, man. Like, cause you're, I raised $1.5 million of uh, other people's money and you know, it was my first one and it was, it was scary. Right. Um, cause I came from the fix and flip world and, and before that even wholesaling. So I started off as a wholesaler, then learned how to raise private money. And then, um, and back in the day it was REOs and short sales. Remember that? Yep. Yep. That's, oh, all, yeah. I, that's what I was doing. And then, but I got really good at raising money. And when the market changed, I was like, dude, um, I don't know how to find any more REOs and short sales. There's not, they're not on the MLS. And I hadn't learned about direct mail marketing. Yep. And so that was my fork in the road. It says, well, I've got all this money. Cause I was actually getting really good at it. I had about $5 million on the street. So I was like, how do I find a place for this money? Yeah. And that's when apartments showed up. Interesting. And how did you find that first apartment? I'm just curious. Was it like you were out looking for it or did it fall in your lap? You know, first I went, edu I got educated, right? So like, like everybody else, before you want to do something new, you got to get, get educated. And that's what I did. And I studied, studied, and I actually studied and did all the courses and I did nothing for a year. And then finally I was like, man, cause then it really got hard to find new deals and I was forced to, and I went to actually a multifamily event and this is crazy, but normally when you go to these events, you're always looking for somebody yeah. um, or finding like who's the players. Yeah. Well, this time I went there and they, like, they asked the question, does anybody have anything to announce? And I was like, oh, this is my, 
it was my cue. So I stood up in the back of the room and I said, hey, listen, I've got a crap ton of money and I'm looking for some deals. Oh, wow. If you have a deal, I would love to look at it and see if it meets my criteria. This was a four-day event, okay? I was there and it was happened on day one. I didn't buy lunch or dinner for the rest of the week. <laughs> you were the most popular guy in the room after that. And I call it the godfather effect. It was like, hey, Corey, look at my deal. Corey, look at my deal. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, let me uh, get my, my beat. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. Hilarious. So I, I found a deal um, from these two guys that uh, were $150,000 of their money hard. They needed to close in 30 days and they hadn't raised any money. And wow. they needed 1.4 million bucks. And so I immediately said, oh gosh, I like this deal. And um, we did, we went, this is in South Carolina, in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh yeah, great market. Yeah, I flew there. I analyzed the deal. I did all the numbers. I, I underwrote it. I really made sure that it was a really, I believed in the project a lot. Um, and it worked out really well. So I felt confident. And so we negotiated a 75% ownership of that deal and because they needed my money. Wow. And it wasn't even my money, by the way, Ken. That's the best part. Yeah, you brought it, but it was private money, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know, yeah. So you got so, you got 75% of that just for, for bringing the money, basically. Because I know how to negotiate. <laughs> That's amazing. And this was your first one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, we got some scars and some battle scars in that first deal, but like a great deal, men's all wounds. Yeah. And, um, you know, and the partners that I actually partnered with were really not great um, partners. But long story short, we owned and operated that property for five years. So, like, it had a lot of problems. We had a, we spent a half a million dollars fixing it up um, and, uh, you know, and managing it, right? Like, we had a drug problem. When we first bought this property, there was, like, you could say, like, that spot over there, that's where it's happening. Yeah, yeah. And how do you solve those? yeah. Yeah. So we, we actually hired a, um, we had a patrol officer come in and he was, you know, managing it. And I said, Hey, listen, do you guys got any like drug dogs, like for your city? He's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I go, man, would do you guys like ever like conduct like some tests? Like, would you like to come use my property as a, a testing facility? They're like, Oh yeah, this would be awesome. Oh my gosh. Cause he knew what it was too. Yeah. Right. And so we posted notices on the doors that the, um, Malden police uh, canine units were going to be conducting a test, you know, of all properties. We had two move outs in the middle of the night. Wow. How brilliant is that? <laughs> just give everybody a heads up. Just so you know, drug dogs going to be here tomorrow. They're gone. Move That's out. awesome. Problems, problem solved, dude. And it's funny because afterwards when it happened, the residents came in to the office and they're like, oh, thank you. Because like, listen, all the residents know, but they're not going to narc. Totally. No, no, heck no. No, they want to get knifed in the middle of the night. Yeah. And so once we got rid of it, like, and that was like the beginning of like, Oh, now we're starting to build community. They started yeah. seeing that we can, we started doing the work on the property. So uh, we managed to stay for five years, spent probably about $700,000 in, uh, in improvements, yep. new roofs, uh, you know, slurry restripe of the parking lot, updating the interiors, um, getting better renters every time, right? Every yep. year we're getting better, better. So five years later, I bought this property for 3.2 million bucks. Yep. And I sold it for $8.8 million. Now, time out. Are we talking about your best deal? Or is, it, is, this, is this the first deal that is also your best deal? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's, let's dive into the, the nuts and bolts of this. So okay. your best deal yeah, ever I, I, is your- I fast forwarded. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. Well, that's, so you're, just to clarify, your first multifamily to today is your best deal ever. And, and how much of that had to do with when you bought it? Man, I think very little, dude. Like, really? Because, man, listen, it had problems. If you looked at this deal, you'd be like, you bought that? Right? Because it, <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, it, but it was in a great area, but like it was a beat down dog. Yeah, yeah. You know, it had a drug problem. I mean, it was a real drug problem, man. Sure. Um, and it had, um, now listen, I'm not going to say that wasn't the market, right? Yeah. Some of that is because we sold it at a, ridiculous cap rate. But if I told you how we sold it and made all that money, you'd, you'd think a little differently. We sold it at a four cap, by the way. Oh, wow. What was this a B class? What was this? It's a C class. It's built 1970, dude. How did you sell a C class at a four cap, I'm a, man? I'm a freaking hustler. <laughs> You're bro. a baller. That's why. Because like, listen, because mama didn't raise a fool. I may have grew up poor and, uh, but I was always resourceful and I never said I was the smartest kid in the room. But I've always said, like, I mean, let me find real smart people and help them and bring them together and, and solve problems. Yeah. So when we went to market on this property, we said, hey, listen, there's got to be 1031 exchange, broken 1031 exchange people out there. How do we market to them? Smart. Yep. And let's just put our property up for sale for a ridiculous price. Yep. It's, and we've got great, you know, once we fixed all these problems and got it stabilized, by year three, we were running a very clean machine. Yep. Deferred of all maintenance, fixed of all problems, and just cash flowing really well. Yep. We took that concept and said, and we pitched it to brokers, hey, listen, for your broken 1031 exchange clients, this is a good example of a great deal that they can just hit an easy button and, and have something. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. We prophesized what we got. And just to clarify for people listening, a broken 1031, somebody that needs, they've got that the clock is ticking, a deal fell through probably, they've got only, you know, so many hours left before they got to get that 1031 in play, and then here's your deal, sitting there waiting in the wings. It's just beautiful. Like, it looks like a big red easy button. Yeah, right. Right? Because what they want is, you know, consistent return, um, nice, like our collectibles, by the third of the month, 99% of our collectibles are collected. Because wow. we ACH draft, we auto draft all our, like our adoption, portal adoption yep. is amazing. Yep. Because we, we, we drive that at the property level. So we got collections are good. Um, our expenses are in line and there's no, like you look around the property, everything's done. Yeah. There's nothing that's not, that needs done. Yeah. And when you do that, it's a recipe for success in that type of, I call it family office, uh, 10, broken 1031 exchange. Those yep. big institutional buyers that sometimes they just want a coupon to clip. They just got to place money and make sure that they, you know, make beat inflation. Right. Right. Exactly. It's safe. It's a safe way. Right. Exactly. You already got management in place. Okay. So let's take a step back. So this, the, the, basically it was at this, this mastermind, if you want to call it that, where you met these people, they were hard up. They needed somewhere, you know, somewhere to help fund the deal. You come in, it, the purchase price in this Greenville, South Carolina property was 3.2. Now you're looking at this property. How much were you thinking? How much did you budget for rehab? Uh, 650,000. Okay. And was that enough? No. <laughs> it never is, right? It's never freaking enough. But God blessed us. God blessed us with a perfect storm. Yeah. 
Now, this is funny because like, so these are idiot operators that I bought these deals from. Okay? Yeah, right. Or that we partnered with, okay? <laughs> but um, we closed in like July, but they had actually, were supposed to close in June and they actually put insurance on the property in June. And as we own it, and I, I got rid of these partners about six months into our deal. I had to buy them out. Right? Oh, wow. So six months later, we're kind of looking at our roofs and I was like, dude, I think we've, there's like, there's damage from a storm. And so my property manager went back and said, hey, Corey, you actually had insurance in July or June, and there was this big thing of storms that came through. I think we got a claim here. <laughs> no way. And we got free roofs, dude. Like, you know, $30,000, we made the roof read the deductible. Oh, yeah. And so there was another like $300,000 in roofs that we weren't expecting. But I mean, that's why this is my best deal ever. Cause that's amazing. Like everything went like perfect, not so perfect, but like it made a lot of money, man. Yeah. Okay. So 3.2, 650 and some change, let's say for, for renovations, turned it around. You got was, what was the occupancy like when you bought it? Was it? It was like 79%. Okay. So not horrible. Of all but the not, wrong people. Yeah. It's like not the people you want in there. Your, your drug addicts and whatnot. And you were able to turn that around and you got occupancy up to what? To 98%. Phenomenal. And you raised rents but by that, how but, much? But that, but that took like two and a half years to do, like sure. to, get it, to get it there. Um, we ended up, like, I'd have to look at their numbers for what we started out. I want to say like our monthly income when we first started was like $68,000 of monthly income. Yep. To where at the end of it, we we're at 95,000, I want to say, of total income. Wow. Like that's a huge difference. So that's I want to say our rents went from 550 or five and a quarter, maybe 470, no, 475 Oof. for a two bedroom to Oof. like 625. Well, that is C-class, man. A, four, a $425 a month or five, 475 a month tenant is going to be rough. It just is. That price point is going to be tough, man. Just to convert them all to go into the portal. Yeah. Right. To use like technology. Oh, I don't have a, I don't have a laptop. No problem. We got one at the property. It's called an iPad, <laughs> right? You can pay right here. Yeah. Right? I don't have an account. Well then you now you got to send checks to a corporate. Oh, you don't take pay. No, we don't take checks. We don't take anything. So you can either go on the portal or you can send a check to home office. And by the way, if you're late, you're going to get dinged because you need to send that check now on the 20, you know, fifth to make sure it posts on time. That's yeah. your responsibility. Oh, maybe I want to get on the portal. Yeah. Maybe you can go to CVS and go to their payment process, you know, like right. take that too. And so we started um, training our tenants to work our process. And yeah. that's how we got that tenant, uh, tenant portal adoption and which then that's how you collect rents quickly. And then actually that becomes the deterrent in people that want to rent from you at 425. But believe it or not, this is what we found. No matter what class of building you're buying, C class, B class, A class, there's always the cream de creme of that class of, of tenant. Yep. There's some pe there's some great C-class people. Totally. They're great people that yep. have great credit, but they want clean, safe place to live that's disciplined. Yep. And what I mean disciplined at our property level is no smoking and joking in the hallways, like that we, we run our properties militantly in what we expect. Yeah, yeah. That's the recipe. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming people are, are leaving early on. A lot of people are just, you know, I don't want to be a part of this. A, Let me get out. We had a lot of turn. You know, it's just yep. going through it. It's like ripping off the Band-Aid. Yep. Sometimes you buy these properties. Uh, occupancy went down before it went up. 
Yep. Yep. I'm sure. But as it started going up every year, as we raise these, you know, a $50 increase in a rent, you can do that one year, but on the second year, now it's a different tenant. Yep. Right. So some of them, some of them renewed because the pain still of moving is more. Right. You know, um, but then eventually some people, you know, they, they turn and then yep. you get, you get start now getting max rents for that property. That's right. And so it's a, it's a delicate balance because you want your renewals to be around 65%. That's yep. how you make money in the business okay. right? is not having to um, clean it out and fix stuff. Cause when someone moves out, that's your biggest cost. Right. Right. So how do we take these tenants now that we've created community we've created, we got rid of the drugs and they see us improving the property. They're actually willing to pay more and they want to pay more because they love living at our place. Wow. And that's what we did. <clears throat> so, and that was over uh, what? How many years for you before you exited? Five years. Five years. You were in it in the uh, high threes, let's say, early on. And what did you end up selling it for? Eight point eight million bucks. Come on, man. Let me just say, so phenomenal. I can show you my. Uh, we netted four point seven million bucks. Oh my gosh! Over five years. Forget if someone would tell me, "Hey, Corey, you buy this property, and in five years you're a multimillionaire," I would have said. Man, I sure hope so. <laughs> right. But in the back of your mind, you're like, man, eh, maybe we'll see. Well, actually, what's scary is I actually believed it. I, I mean, I saw that vision when I first bought the property. I didn't underwrite my partners very well, yeah. but I underwrote the deal meticulously. And I knew that I could, I felt like, man, this has got all the right things. Cause it was like three miles from like um, the big box stores from like Best Buy and Lowe's. Yeah. And it was in a great location, but it was just, really poorly operated and i was like man we can fix it yeah yeah and you did that's phenomenal and the thing is this being your first multifamily deal to have kind of that much foresight to to do what you need to do over so many years that's phenomenal that you pulled it off let me ask you a question how many have you done now since then how many multifamily deals are you in we own uh, currently eight projects eight we projects sold, we sold three other projects um that's went full circle right okay yep but um but like we currently own eight uh like if you call by units, maybe 2,500 units or something like that. Okay. My wife knows the real numbers. Right, right. Always, I just, I deal with the big picture, which is we have seven active projects. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I'm sure that keeps you active. Don't that's worry a lot about to, money anymore, Ken. Well, no, of course not. Not when you cleared 4.7 on your first deal. Jeez, my knees. Hey, we, and we reinvested that deal into another, we did, we did a 1031 exchange. Oh, you did all of it? You 1031 yeah. all of it? All, man, I went all in, bro. Come on. Good for you. And uh, we bought a $12.7 million deal that pays me about $450,000 a year in cash flow. Just cash flow. So you basically, yeah, exchange it for cash flow. I'm making money when I'm sleeping, yeah. whether I work or not. So the next deal, did you, uh, was that all your equity or did you still bring in some partners? All my equity. It's all yours. So it's you. Well, uh, $2.5 million of it's mine. So out of the 4.7, $2.5 million is Corey Peterson's. Okay. Right. And yep. the rest of it was the original investors' money plus the profit they made on the deal. Oh, okay. So they all they came into you with all the next deal as well. Yeah, okay. they're like, hell yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, right. Why wouldn't they? Dude, that's amazing. Okay, so let's talk about this. This being your first deal, you learned some lessons. What would you what did you do differently going forward after you did this very first multifamily deal? What did you learn from this experience? Know thy operating agreement with partners. Oh, good one. So yeah. yeah. I yeah. had two um, idiot partners that so listen, people can do things. You got to and hire your lawyer to write your operating agreement, not use somebody else's lawyer. Yeah. And the reason for that is um, these two clowns 
when we bought the deal, they actually inserted some new um, documents and we didn't catch it. I didn't catch it, neither did my lawyer. And when we signed them, and it was, I was supposed to have 75% voting rights. Yep. I got 75% of the deal, right? right. But I had five, 75% ownership of the deal, but my voting rights got diluted to 33, 33, and 33. Wow. And all of yeah. a sudden it became two against one. Yeah. It was dirty. That's oh dirty. Gosh, it was for dirty. sure. Yeah. You just didn't catch it. They're like, you signed it. So I had to like, uh, you know, yeah. So I had to go to somebody's house and knock on his door and say, we got to make a, we're going to make a deal today. I, I think I practiced the Godfather. <laughs> Were they planned? Did they want out of the deal or did you just twist their arm until they got no, out? Bro, like I'm saying you got to go. Like that's, that's not going to work. Wow. And so, and, you, and my, so it cost me a couple hundred thousand dollars. To buy them out. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right away. But you know what? Five years later, you're glad you yeah. spent that few hundred thousand well, dollars. Yeah. Oh, best money I've ever spent. Now, when I, when right. I did that, I bought the other guy out. The other guy sued me. Because you bought one partner out, he sued you? Because now I had a control. So he didn't like it. So he sued yeah, me. I so he you. locked me. So now we're in litigation for two years. Oh, um, my gosh. And so it cost me 450 to buy the other guy out. Oh, my gosh. years later. But, like, listen, a great deal solves all problems. Sure. And I look back at that and say, it was a great experience of, like, I, 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 I experienced all the joys and the frustrations of trying to build something and make it work. And then also just the, the partnership structure of, like, that struggle. And I'm yeah. glad I did it early on because it made me so much a better operator today. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, that's a, that's a huge cautionary tale is make sure you're getting in, in bed with the right people and that you're protected. Yeah, and just understand you're operating great. No, like, no, and know who's doing what. Yeah. Who's right. responsible for what in those totally. partnerships? Partnerships are always, they, they're always tricky, man. There's always room for just misunderstanding if you're not My careful. My biggest advice is do deals, right? Do yeah. deals, don't do partnerships. Yeah, uh, you know, like, totally. You just want to be yep. where you can do deals with anybody and bring the right groups, the right people for a specific deal. Yep. I think that's way cleaner than to say, let's go into this thing for life. Yeah, totally. That's good. That's good advice. Corey, man. I tell you what, a $4.7 million payday has got to be one of our best, best deal ever. man, that's phenomenal on your first multifamily deal. That's crazy. I mean, listen, I don't know what I did in a former life, but, uh, you know, Jesus, thank you so much right. for Christmas. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, I hear it, but it did change my life, dude. And, and sure. that's the biggest thing is, is I believe <clears throat> this asset class for me, um, I love, the reason I love multifamily is it can pay you upfront. It can pay you cash flow, and then if you do it right, in the end, you can get a big freaking win. Yep. And uh, and I call it sunsets and palm trees. Yep. Yep. Hence the name, right? Kahuna. That's Kahuna it, Investments. <laughs> Very cool, Corey. Hey, thanks so much for coming out. This is this was fantastic. Thanks, brother. All right, take care. Hey, friends. Let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. 
If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. All right, I'm with my good friend, Corey Peterson. Corey, I wanna hear about your worst deal ever. God, this is gonna be painful. Uh Uh-oh, we're gonna tear open that old scab, man. Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, my, my worst deal ever, dude. You know, I bought my first deal and it was great. We, you know, it was an amazing deal. So I thought I was invincible. And so I bought my second apartment deal and um, I bought a little smaller deal than I should have. I bought, um, but I bought it close to me. So I thought, oh, I can go, I can take care of this property worst case something happens. But my first mistake is I hired a regional management company that was out of South Carolina, out of Atlanta, because my first property was in South Carolina. Right. Uh, but the property that I just bought was in uh, Tucson, Arizona, a million miles away. Wow. Yep. I, but I thought that, oh, they're doing such a good job at this property that they could do it on this new property. Um, no, they can't. Regional management companies are regional for a reason. Yep. Because it's staff and people and processes. And yep. so they failed. And so they weren't doing, they were, we're having a problem with personnel. We can never really keep the right people in it. The numbers were not doing so well. And so then I decided to do something really smart, but not really. Because <laughs> I decided that I was going to self-manage this property. Because it oh, was a crap. little smaller. It was in my backyard an hour and a half away. I mean, I can solve it. I can do it. Um, that was, I failed miserably. Um, I learned that people can steal. People can, uh, uh, you can get a fair housing complaint put on you. You can. Um, oh, crap. Oh yeah, man. Like the list goes on. Oh no. <laughs> I had to have security cameras just to watch my employees and to watch the parking. Cause uh, you know, are they going to show up? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, at this point they're your employees. So how many, yeah. pe- how many, how many people did you hire to kind of run it for you on site? It was only two because the property could only t- afford two people. And this, okay. this is what I learned too. This is why I only buy big deals now is when you have a small apartment complex, like 75 units, which is this was, it could afford two people, a maintenance person and a, uh, you know, a, a, an office admin. Right. right the manager. Right. Yep. But like when two people are together, they're like, Hey, wink, wink. Um, guess what? I'm working today. And then they show, they don't show and they cover each other. If you have three, it doesn't happen. I don't know why that is, but it doesn't happen. That's guess, interesting. Right. But one-on-one man, they talk and they, they make, they plan and scheme. And so uh, I just, I continue to have problems with staff, keeping them there and making them work. Then I found that I was just, in, I was just very inefficient. Um, meanwhile, I'm not being able to pay my investors the return that I had promised. Okay? Now this happened for a year and a half. So the first eight months, we hired a management company. The next eight months, um, Corey decided to try to self-manage. <laughs> right. And, so it's two two whammies in a row. Yeah. And by this, I'm I'm really I'm starting to get like my investors are starting to get upset. And by the way, those monthly investor calls are the hardest calls. Like two years of not really sleeping Oof. at night. Oof. I had those hard conversations of why now and they believed in me. Yeah. You know, but we're going now, but on the year and a half, not so much anymore. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. So now finally, I just decided I gave up. I'm like, man, I just need to find. And I went back to what I what I'm really good at is being resourceful. And so I was like, dude, there's got to be a local management company here. That's great. Sure. And within like one day, I found it They're called MEB. They're in Tucson. They're a large management company. They have all the resources. And within two months, they turn the property around. Like, oh, gosh. I mean, like we went to 95%, like we were at 82, 83% occupancy to 95 in two months. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, Oh my God, I wish. And so there was a light and a, and a glimmer of hope. And what I was, but by this time, my investors are like, Corey, can we sell this thing? Can we just sell it? Yeah. And, um, and so we did. And I ended up losing $160,000 of my own money. Oof. Um, and you know, half of those, and here's the thing with raising money is you never get a second chance. It, the people that was the first time ever giving me money, I raised uh, like $1.8 million of, of capital for that project. Yep. And the people that were their first time, about $800,000, first time ever investing with me, I'll never see them again. And my name is Mud. Yeah, totally. Okay? Even though I, I made them whole, uh, but the great thing is the other investors had invested in other deals and they just, and they were happy. They're like, you know what? You can't win them all. And they went on to another project. Wow. But for me, the reason this is my worst deal ever is because for two years, I'm telling you sleepless nights. Yeah. When you're, when you're really stressed, when you have the weight of $1.8 million on yeah. your back and yeah. you didn't follow your underwriting guidelines and you just, you thought you could do it yourself. Yeah. Um, hard lessons to learn. Ooh, two years I'm of sleepless more, nights. Yeah. I'm way more conservative now in my underwriting of what I think a deal should be yep. than I ever could have been if I didn't go through that experience. Totally. So believe it or not, I'm actually thankful that it happened. Sure. Any experienced investor, I feel like that has done enough deals, has taken enough lumps that they become better at their craft because of it. You're, you're more cautious. You're more conservative. You know, their, their money is safer with you now because of this. I, in fact, really, when I look at people underwriting deals sometimes in this, in this environment that we're in, the market's crazy. It's really hot. And I think that's the biggest mistake is they don't stick to their laurels of underwriting very conservatively. Because, listen, if you find a fat deal and it gets skinny, we're all, all okay. Yeah. But if you find a skinny deal and it gets skinny-er, yeah. listen, Oof. there's big trouble in Little China. Yeah. Did you have trouble making the debt payment on this on this particular property? We're we're always able to make the debt payment and to service the deal and, and run the deal financially, but we were never able to really make an, an investor payment. Yeah. And I honestly, that's the that's the biggest one. Yeah. Like besides right. the mortgage, I mean that's a big one too. But like the next is your investors. Yeah. And um, you know, they're they're in it for profit. They're they put their uh, talents in me to go do it, and I felt bad because I wasn't, and I I really thought I could. I could do it myself. Yeah. I would self-manage this thing to profitability. And what I realized is, listen, Corey, you just need help. Ask, ask for help, ask for advice. As soon as I put those goggles on, um, things got real clear on what the next choice was and how to solve for X. Yeah, yeah. Lesson learned, tough lesson to learn, man. But everybody, anybody that's experienced has been there at some point in time where they're just feeling the weight of the world and eventually you turn it around and you did, you turned it around, you took some lumps in the process, but you're better for it, right? That's it, man. Awesome. Well, Corey, thanks so much for- to fail. That's right. You're exactly right. You won't, you won't take any chances if you don't. Yep. Thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. 
Thanks, brother. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the best deal ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. Whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.